The scripture reading this morning will be taken from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 through 13. That's 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 through 13. That could be found on page 1054 on the pew Bibles in front of you. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Good morning. Wow, you got more morning than good then. Good morning. So glad that you're here today. Thankful for all those who are joining us via the live stream. And also, we look around and see that we have several visitors today. Thanks for of all the places you could be today that you've chosen here. We pray that today will be uplifting for you, that you will see that we have a, a love for, for God and a love for one another and a love for lost people. And we are glad you have chosen to be here. We're in the middle of uh, appointing uh, elders. We are going through the process now where uh, if there's someone you'd like to put their name up to be an elder, go ask them. If they say yes, and then uh, give that name uh, to the elders in writing and sign your name to that. It's been a really interesting thing this week as we've had our devotionals go out each week. And our devotionals are, uh, our devotionals are going out, but our, uh, our remote isn't, okay? Our devotionals are going out each day, and it's been a great opportunity for us to think about this and pray about this when we are not here. I'm thankful for Blaine and for Brian for putting these together. I believe that it has been very helpful for us to be focused on who we're looking at as far as putting, some, putting more men in to serve with our current leadership. Continue praying about that. That is something we want to be doing this week. And we want to keep those prayers before God and keep taking those names before the throne. As we've gone through and looked at the type of men that God wants us to have lead us, let's continue to be prayerful about that and, uh, and let's do that. Let's go to God in prayer right now. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful for you, for your love, for your kindness. We ask that you will help us to follow you that you will help us to, to always look to you and set our lives out to be like your son on earth so we can make the biggest difference in this world. God, we know that you are a great and mighty God and you are a loving God. And we pray that we will show your love throughout this world. In Christ we pray, amen. You going to try to keep up with me? All right, go to Bill Cosby, okay? Um, you're like, what? Just trust me, okay? It's amazing. As long as there have been products to sell, there's been what? Celebrity endorsements. You think about that. They, they try to find someone who, who will make you want to buy those things. And, okay, battery issue. When all this fails, check the batteries, when we look at this, we, we think about him. For whatever reasons, Bill Cosby had some, uh, at that time, this is pre-Cosby show when he started this. 
This is when he was known for picture pages. This is when he was known for his comedy, and, and they had him do this. It may be that you look at an Allstate commercial, and I'm still not sure what about Brad Paisley and Peyton Manning is supposed to make you want to buy insurance, okay? But they have chosen them. Why? Because they believe that people will like those commercials and hopefully be led that way. And if you're going to be the face of diabetes, why not be Wilford Brimley, okay? Diabetes. He told us how to Whole different way. That's what he did. And he really wasn't selling diabetes. He was selling uh, testing supplies from Liberty Medical. It's weird that I still know that, right? Those commercials came on all the time. Now you'll see John Cena on commercials for trash bags. Why? Because they talk about his strength. Or maybe we think about Captain Kirk, if you will, and, and goes through, and he has been the Priceline spokesman for 20 years now, which is hard to imagine. Why? Because they thought about he has traveled all over the galaxies. Maybe he can help us travel here in the U.S. When some people think of George Foreman, they think of the Olympic champion and the heavyweight champion of the world. There's some in here that only know that he had a grill. I'm, I'm being serious. That's the extent of knowing who he is. I wonder what he made more money doing. That would be an interesting question because he did pretty good on those grills. If you don't believe me, go to a yard sale. There'll be 12 of them. Everybody have one, okay? It's interesting that uh, Lindsay Lohan is someone who was very famous as a child uh, through Disney movies, and through the past few years, she's had some legal trouble. You know, she, she's, a, she's a spokesperson now for Lawyer.com. That's what they chose, because she's needed them. Evidently, you, you look through, and probably the best spokesperson as far as anybody's ever had for branding is Michael Jordan. Nike will never regret that contract. Getting him to be someone who represented their, their navel to be their brand, and you think about that, he still sells probably more shoes than anyone else, and he hasn't played basketball in years. He's someone that, that, that people looked at. Why? Because they wanted to choose someone to be the face of a company. When somebody thinks of this, it is what they think about completely. If I could choose this one person to be that face, it would be them. Why would it be that way? Go ahead to the next one and the next one. Because they want to find somebody who other people will listen to. And not only will they listen to, but they'll trust him enough to spend their money. Who will they listen to and will they trust enough to send their money? What they're looking for is some credibility and also some likability. When you think about a spokesperson for what you're doing, credibility and likability are huge, and that is one of the things that they are looking for. Who would you choose to be the face of your company? It's interesting. When it comes to church, the face of the church should always be who? It should always be Jesus. Jesus is, is the one when people see the church, we have his name, right? The church of Christ. Thank you very much. Yes, got it. Um, thank you for following along. There, that's a sermon example here in a second. Uh, it's amazing. The, the face of the church should be Jesus. It is his church, the church of Christ, the church that belongs to Christ. But what's interesting, he chose to represent him on earth, the church to be his representatives. It's weird. He said, I want to show you what the fa my face looks like on the earth today. I want to show you what my, my face, my hands, my feet is going to be the church. 
That is what I have laid out. And I want the church to make an impact on this world. And I want the church to be what? The presence of Jesus in the world today. A place where people see my compassion and my love and my kindness and my service. I think the realization has to be that we individually are the church. It is Christians that, that make up the church. The, the church is an assembling together. It is when what? Christians come together for a purpose. And we have to realize that we are individually to be the face of Jesus on this earth. Last week, I, I, I said the quote, I said that uh, people will believe the church is as good or as bad as you are. I think that's tough. That's tough because if you're like me, you're like, there's somebody else I'd rather somebody meet than me. There's other people I believe who are much better than I am, and I'd rather them base the church on them, but that's not how it works. People will believe the church is as loving, as loving as you are. People will believe that the church is as kind as you are, the church is as faithful as you are, because each one of us are representatives of Jesus. That's what a Christian is. It is someone we, we share in His name, the Christ, the Messiah. We are someone who believes in, in Him and we follow Him. And so when people look at us, it is something that we have to realize that we are representatives of Him. And many people will make their decision on whether to follow Him based on our credibility and likability. They're looking for a reason to believe or disbelieve. And, and the Christian they come in contact with will be that person. We're, we're told to be teachers, right? Jesus said, go teach the gospel. And the thing is, we have to ask, will they listen? Will the world listen to us? If you will open your Bible to 1 Timothy. We've been going through the, the book of Timothy on Sunday mornings for the past several weeks. When we look at 1 Timothy, we, we look at it and realize why did Paul want Timothy to go to Ephesus? Ephesus had a congregation, a, a church there. He wanted it to be a healthy church. And just like Ephesus needed a healthy church, so does Mount Juliet. The same things that they needed then or we need now. A healthy church is a, is a church that has healthy teaching. It is a church that, that has a healthy vision of Jesus. It is a church that, that, that prays and a healthy thought of prayer and goes before God. It is a church with a healthy church leadership. And today I want us to think about if we want to be the church that Jesus wants us to be here in Mount Juliet, we have to be a place where our walk and talk match. Where our teaching and living meet together. In chapter 4, it's interesting that in 1 Timothy 4.11, Paul tells Timothy to command and teach these things. That's tough, isn't it? He said, I want you to go there. And by the way, they're expecting me. They're wanting me. I was there for three years. They would rather me come, but I'm going somewhere else to do mission work, if you will. He's going to Macedonia. I need you to go there. I need you to command and teach these things. Again, the command to teach. We talked about this on week one. Think about the stuff he has to teach them. 
Paul said, I need you to go and correct people. There's false teachers there. I need you to deal with them. I, I need you to, to deal with men's and women's spiritual life and encourage them to put their walk with God above everything else in the world. I need you to talk to women about how the women about what their role is in Christ and in the church. I need you to instruct older men and older women, people who are much older than you. I need you to talk to them. I also need you to appoint elders and deacons. He says, go teach. The question is, he said, and people aren't going to listen. Verse 1 says, now in the, the Spirit expressly says, in a later time, some will depart from the faith, devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. Don't get too tore up on demons right here, okay? I believe he's talking about false teachers. He says the insincerity of what? Liars. People who are doing what? Leading people away. The Bible talks as the devil's the what? Father of all what? Liars. He said there are going to be people who don't want to listen because there's going to be a competing message. And, and, and we want them to listen to you and not to those who, who are lying. And the thing is, it is a dangerous job. We could go through today and think about jobs that are very dangerous. I know we have men in this congregation who are firemen. What an incredibly challenging job and scary job. The thought of walking into a burning building when many of us would walk run away from it. But why do they do that? So that people can be saved. And, and Paul's telling Timothy, I need you to be willing to walk into that burning building where it is going to be a hostile environment so that people will be saved. The trick is, and the key is, how do we get people to listen? See, I believe we get people to listen the same way uh, Paul tells Timothy to get people to listen. It is challenging. You can't control someone else. You ever told a child to listen to you? They can look at you. That don't mean they're listening, right? Some of y'all have mastered that every week, to be able to look and not listen, right? It's one of those things that's interesting. He, he said, how do we get people to listen? And Paul says this, to let no one despise your youth, but set, a, set the believers an example in speech and conduct and faith and love and faith and impurity. So that's how you get people to listen. Because he's given him his message, he said, your life must match your message. Your walk and talk have to meet. The word we use is credibility. We want you to give credibility to the gospel. You've got a tough job. You're going to go in. You're going to be correcting people. You're going to be challenging people. You're going to tell some people to quit speaking because they are teaching lies. You're going to tell other people to straighten up. You're going to go in and have to do these things. How do you do this and get people to listen? Your life must be on point. Your life must match the teaching you give. He starts out by letting no man despise your youth. And, and the thing is, he sets very high expectations. Very high expectations for him. And, and realize, don't get too tore up on this word youth. and Because youth in the New Testament is any person uh, 40 years old or less. Some of y'all just smiled. And went, wow, I'm still a youth. I'm still a youth, and so it's not that, that Timothy at this point in time was a, a, a circuit rider like we're going to have tonight, 15, 16, 17-year-old preacher. He, he, he is someone who is going to go in 
and have to correct people older than him. That always goes well, right? I don't know if you've gotten old enough as a child to realize that it is very difficult for your parents to listen to you. You ever give your parents health advice, money advice, any other type of advice, and they look at you like what? How did you get so dumb in 40 years that you think you can tell me what to do? I don't know if you've ever had your parents look at you that way. Some of y'all are grinning right now. Some of y'all are trying not to look at your parents. I, 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 see, I see it happening. Can you imagine the challenge that Timmy, Timothy has to get people older than him to listen to him? What's going on in the church at Ephesus? In Ephesus 4, Paul has written them, and Paul says, lay aside all falsehood. Evidently, people there are what? Lying. There's lying going on there. There's anger that leads to sin going on there. There are people who are stealing. There are people who are not working, who are not generous. There, there are people who are speaking, it says, unwholesome words, things that tear other people down. There are people who are being unkind, who are being hard-hearted, who are not forgiving. How do we know that? Because Paul tells them do the opposite. If you don't need to correct someone, then you don't have to fix something. He, he is telling them to be this. And Paul tells Timothy, you be an example. You be a representative of Jesus. You be the person that when they see you, they see who Jesus is and what Jesus wants. The word example there really is the word pattern. You be a pattern for someone else to follow. Some of you may have had the unfun growing up experience I had is going to Hancock Fabrics. I don't know why women who were too mean to be prison wardens got jobs there. I don't know that. Why? But somehow they did. And my mom and grandmother were going there to find these things. Simplicity, patterns. And they would look at these racks. You think about it. Churches have tracked racks. They'd have these huge racks full of these things, and they were going through looking for what they wanted. And there was nothing to do. Just try to play in the fabric and get hit by one of those yardsticks that they're already using to measure stuff out. It's not a fun place. But if you take one of these things, what do you do? You open it up, and it's something that if you lay it out, you can make the clothes match what's in here. It is a pattern to follow. And you don't just follow it a little bit. If you follow it a little bit, it will be all messed up. You want to follow it to perfection so that you can create what's on the outside of the package. Some of you guys are like, Craig, I, I don't get it, okay? You ever heard of a CNC machine? A CNC machine is an awesome thing that you put a program in, and it will cut out whatever you want. It can be metal. It can be wood. You put in, and it will do exactly. When you put in the pattern of what needs to happen, it will cut it out to perfection. I had a man at Spring Hill who built his own out of wood. And anything small? There was some a picture I put up one time of a uh, uh, of this really neat thing uh, that was a bridge to Jesus, and and the guy said, "Hey, could you send me a picture of that?" He typed in the dimensions, he brought it back to me, looked just like it was on my slide. It was amazing. Or maybe you've had a key needed a key cut, 
You see him put the two keys in there, one of them's already been cut, then you have your other one, and, and it goes through on the teeth on one side, and on the other side it's cutting it perfectly. Paul is saying, I need you to be a pattern for others to follow. It is a high standard. He said, I need you to be an example of excellence in speech. How you talk to people. The things that you say. I think it's challenging when we think about all the sins that can be involved in speaking. It's more than just not telling dirty jokes or cussing. It's talking badly about others. It's gossiping. It's not taking the opportunity to speak up for what is right. It is sometimes the, the greatest sin in speech is silence and not taking the opportunity to, to do what? To build other people up. He said, I need you to be that person who speaks as though you were Christ so people can see who Christ is by the way you speak, by the way you remain silent, what you speak on, what you choose not to speak on, and how you use your words. Will you, as Paul told the church at, in Ephesus, to do what? Speak the truth in love. Be an example in speech. Can I ask you today, are you a good pattern for speech? It's a scary thought being a parent to know that very soon I will have a parrot at my house. You ever heard somebody ask the question, they hear their child repeat something, where did they hear that? It's funny, uh, some of you who have taught school or taught somewhere, you may approach a parent and the parent will go, I have no idea where they heard that. You're like, well, I heard you say it a while ago. Are we examples of speech because people are looking at us when Christians speak to see if we speak with love, with kindness, with truthfulness, with integrity, to, to see if we make a difference. He also says you be an example of excellence in conduct. Some of your Bibles say conversation, and I think that's confusing since we just said speech. Conversation there really is your manner of life, how you live. It's the way that you act every day. Are your actions in, in, in step with someone who, who is a Christian? Is that how it works together? Titus, uh, Paul's letter to Titus in Titus 1.16 says, But they profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny Him, being detestable and disobedient, worthless of any good deed. He's talking about people there. As he's writing there in, in this book, people there in the city of Crete who do what? Claim to be Christians, but their lifestyle says something completely different. There's a book by a guy by the name of Craig Groeschel, Christian Atheist. And he says, when, when you say you're a Christian, but live like an atheist. What does so much damage to the faith of others? So we claim to live in Christ, but our lives do not match it. Paul is saying, you be an example. You be a pattern for what our life is supposed to look like. You know, what happens when the talk and walk are going different directions? I love this. Act in such a manner that you are proof of a loving God. That your, your actions are, are proof of a living proof of a loving God and, and our life would be that. And, and it says also you be an example of excellence and love. Of the different words in Greek that he could use for love, this is the agape word. This is the big word. 
This is the same word in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Be an example of sacrificial love. Be that example that is out there and, and really, how do you treat other people? Are you an example of love? Remember, as Jesus talks to his disciples, he said, they shall know you by the way you do what? Love one another. That is how when people look, how do we treat each other? He says, be an example of excellence in faith. In other words, will you keep the faith when the storms hit? Will you stay true to your beliefs when things are going badly as well as you do when things are going well? When your faith is tested, will you continue to hold on? He's saying, don't be an example of a fair-weather fan, of someone who only worships when the sun is shining and the humidity is low. And you can get seats at the, at the Colosseum that are shaded and you get back under the overhang and, and you have good seats. Don't be that person. Be someone that, that when the storms hit, that you are an example of faith. And can I tell you, I feel like every week since I've been here, it's probably this week all along, there's somebody here who loves a lot, loses a loved one. There's people who have, get diagnosis that are very challenging. It is awesome to see the faith here. To see the faith of people who hold on strong through, through whatever the world uh, sends at them. And that's what he's saying. Timothy, you be an example of faith. He said, also be an example of excellence and purity. Timothy, we believe, is a, again, around a 40-year-old or less single guy in a town that, has, that is known for sexual immorality has a temple where, with thousands of temple prostitutes where there, the people of the world there see no difference and no problem at all with people who are sexually immoral. It's not a, not a thing to them. He's saying, you be an example. You be set apart. You be someone who is pure. The first bottle of water I ever remember seeing was Evian bottled water. I remember seeing it and wondered why somebody would charge more for water than you could get a Coke for. It's right there on the label. If you're dyslexic like me, you looked down and said, wow, it's because it's really called naive. That's how you get people to spend $5 for water, right? You know, Evian spelled backwards and naive. You sit there and see it. What if you were hot and you were thirsty? And you need a water and say, hey, I've got this bottle of Evian and, and I, I would love to give it to you. Is it pure? Well, it's 99% pure because when I opened the top of it, somebody took a one drop of sewer water and dropped it in here, but you're okay with that, right? No. Paul is saying, let your life, as, as Paul says somewhere else, let there not even be a hint of sexual immorality among you. Be an example, be set apart, be, be someone who, who is different. And he goes through. What's interesting, you go back, remember in chapter 1, when Paul said, here's the goal of our teaching. His instruction is from love and a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. He's really gone back and mentioned all those things again. 
that you be an example of these things, because this is what our teaching should produce. And we have to realize that a world is watching. In verse 15, in 1 Timothy 4, Paul says, practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Believers and unbelievers are watching us. Is that good or bad? It's actually good because if people are watching you, it means you can influence them. You can influence them. And you can show them what credibility looks like. That is, builds builds what? Integrity and trust and you're reliable and you're authentic and you have commitment and people have regard and respect for you and, and your reputation is something that matches your integrity and it gives you an opportunity to reach other people. And here's why it matters. The next verse says this, keep close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and the hearers. He said, your life and your message not only will lead to your salvation, but to the salvation of others. Many of you have have flown and you get the speech that if we lose cabin pressure, what's going to happen? The little oxygen things are going to fall down from the ceiling. Before you put it on someone else, put it on who first? Put it on you. So Paul says, you look at yourself first, and then you, you look at others and you do what? Your teaching, your life will save yourself and save other people. Your life matters. How do we get people to listen? And, and, and it's real, I love this quote, it says, your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. Your, our life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. When they see our, our love, and when they see our, 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 our actions, see, what I think about here, this is something that really applies to the men we want to appoint as shepherds. Are they good patterns for us? Paul is telling Timothy in a church setting, you live in a way that you will influence other people for good. You be a spiritual leader there. And that is what we are looking for. It's also a really good lesson for sheep because it's for everybody. That we all be that, be that pattern in speech and in conduct and in love and in faith and purity that, that that is who we are and what we do. We are representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. You probably noticed today that we're repaving the parking lot and restriping it. It's interesting, some places we already knew the the stripes were already faded, so it was just a guess every Sunday, right? And there's some places because of the work, they're gone. We sort of depend on that first person to park in a way that sets the tone for everybody else to park. Because if one person gets off, it does what? It messes everybody else up. Paul is telling Timothy, you park first. And you set the lines that allow everybody else to park correctly. We are all to be examples, and you will be. It's just your choice whether you want to be a good example or or a bad example. And when your talk doesn't match your walk, it will do damage. But when they are going in the same direction, guess what? People see Jesus. And that's what they want. That's what God wants from us. Today, can we help you? 
Today, can I ask you, are you you setting that pattern for other people to follow so that you can make an eternal difference in their lives? Or today, is it something you want to repent of? Maybe today you you, you want to become a child of God and say, you know what, because of the, the life of other people, I believe I see Jesus and I want to be His child. And today I want to be baptized for mission of sins. Today we would love to help you with that. If we can help you in your walk, would you come now while we stand and sing?